Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Creo Collective podcast. We are excited because we're iTunes official now. Woot woot. Uh, I can't hear anyone else because they're all muted, but I promise you, my two guests today, Mike and Chelsea, were woot wooting with me. But we are iTunes official, and we're excited to continue our conversation around those values uh, at Creo. And today is a really good one. And it's one in which I get to shut my mouth a little bit more. And Mike also shuts his mouth as we invite Chelsea to share. So today I've got Chelsea Thompson from Prodigal Church out in Carson City, Nevada. Is that correct, Chelsea? She's giving me the head nod. All right. And I'm also, there it is. And I'm also with Mike Gerald, my co-host. And we are excited just to have this conversation around men's and women's voices within the church. And now that we're on iTunes, our our listening audience will go from 5 to 10. So I'm really excited about that. (laughs) That's a 100% increase. 100%. Um, But yeah, Chelsea, thanks so much for being a part of our our conversation today. And I think this is really important. And so I just wanted to sort of ask you, as you even hear that men's and women's voices equally in the church and being valued in such a way, uh, what does that stir in you? Um, first of all, I just have to say, you have a great radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. But um, what does it stir in me? It makes me excited, but it's also interesting because it kind of gives me a realization that I never realized before that men's and women's voices aren't always seen equally. So, um, that's one thing that I've noticed. I've always tried to kind of push and have a man's voice and almost like push ahead to fight for that voice. So to now see that people are working to actively include those other voices is super important. It makes me excited and it makes me feel like I can relax a little bit and just I've listened to the Holy Spirit, especially in the church, uh, to just speak when he says speak, rather than you're all, always feeling like you're having to fight for a voice, you know? So there were, there were two things in there that you said <clears throat> that I wanted to sort of ask you. You said you always felt that you needed to have a man's voice push in front of your voice. I'd like to know sort of why. Um, and also, you said on the flip side, understanding that your voice has value that it has allowed you to relax what does it mean to relax and be who who god has empowered you to be one question at a time tim sorry i get excited and but it was two things you gave her her two and she's like do i do i combine them what was the first one again (laughs) i was really like what is wait what was the first one (laughs) so so you said you're like in the past you've always had a man push in front of you. So in some ways it seems as though your voice has been stifled, right? And so why, um, or what do you think has been the driving force behind that? Is, is it what you've grown up with? Is it what you've known? Yeah. So I would say, especially growing out up in the South, it was something that was really impressed upon to kind of almost, um, play like a man if you will, like even it's coming to my mind, like think like a woman, play like a man. So um, if you guys ever heard of that book, but that was one a while back, but where 
Um, you know, when I was little, you would scrape your knee or something and be like, well, don't cry. Like that won't change anything. Like rub some dirt on it, get out there. And so a lot of those womanly attributes were kind of stifled where it was seen as like less important or too emotional. And it's so funny because even like men even get riled up about things, right? Sometimes even more than women, like look at football games, you know, it's, (laughs) and um, yet as a woman, if you do that, then it's automatically, you're automatically labeled as like being emotional or too emotional, or you can't handle the subject or, you know, so it's almost like you have to either bully your way into a subject, which I, and I think most women take the opposite I'm kind of competitive. So I'd be like, you will listen to me. Like, I will say it. Even if you don't listen to me, I'm going to say it anyways. But like a lot of times our tendencies is to just sit back then and be like, well, if you don't listen, then I'm just going to sit here and I'm not even going to try to say anything. And that's the saddest part is that there's a lot of voices that feel that way and not just women, but there's a lot of voices that feel like, why should I say anything? Cause no one's going to listen. And and those feelings are all ancient past, right? None of those feelings are, are recent. Like that doesn't happen in, in 2021, right? We're we're not asking you to to do the same thing, are we? Asking me to do the same thing in terms of like think like, think like a woman, act like a man. We're oh. not, no, not in this context. No, not in this context at all. I think there's definitely some areas where it's still. It's lesser, I would say, but I think there's still kind of those misperceived things, especially in the church. Um, I think was that are they more so in the church? Absolutely, Hmm. absolutely. Because I will say, in the world, I notice my voice being sought out, sought out. But just you realize that. You realize that um, you almost don't even notice a difference because you have just as much of a voice. But in the church, you see a lot more of um, maybe your voice isn't so much stifled, but it seems like it's still not given as much weight. Yeah, I, I find that interesting because I have noticed a difference when I talk to people who are leading churches where most of their people did not come from a church background. It was more of a a missional type of church where their people are are coming in. They have no context of of church, no history with going to church services or being a part of an institutional church. It seems like women are given the same sort of opportunities, and it's not even as much of an issue. But those who sort of grew up in the church world, existing churches, institutional churches, it seems like the, the empowering women issue is is a much bigger issue. And I, I think it's a, uh, almost like they're stuck decades behind the culture. Like the church is even, you know, 10, 20, 30 years behind culture, right? Absolutely. And that's what I'm just finding just recently, because the church I was discipled in about five years ago, it wasn't like you were saying, kind of the missional mindset. There wasn't a whole lot of separation between men and women. 
And now all of a sudden, now that I'm taking more on more leadership roles in the church and around these churches that have been around for decades and these pastors who have really grown up on the ch- in the church and even congregants who have grown up in the church, all of a sudden, all these issues are being brought to my awareness that I didn't even really know existed. It's definitely spurred a lot more biblical research on my end to try to get to the bottom of it. Well, and it's interesting, Chelsea, because I think uh, whoever's listening, um, some people, whenever they, there's like a red flag that goes up when you mention culture, because there's this fear that people have that the church will take their cues from culture versus the, the church being shaped by whatever scripture says. The problem is, I think that uh, church 20, 30, 40 years ago also struggled to take their cues from culture. And maybe that's why they didn't empower women is because the culture also didn't empower women. And so when we think about uh, women who were empowered throughout the scriptures and female prophetesses and uh, apostolic female leaders and all these examples throughout the Bible of women being used and empowered by God specifically empowered by Jesus and even being some of the first witnesses and testimonies to the resurrection. Um, I, I think we've got to go back at scripture and say, you know, I think a lot of how we've operated as churches were shaped by what was going on in culture and not necessarily scripture. And if you look at Jesus and you open up the new Testament, you see a lot of female activity in there. And so maybe we need to be more faithful, not less. I agree with that radical woman of the Bible that Jesus used, like even look at Deborah, which is the Old Testament. She was a judge. And then the woman at the well saved an entire village just by saying who Jesus was. And yet today we're saying like women can't preach or teach. And she told an entire, her entire town about the good news. And even like you said, the two, uh, when Jesus rose, that he showed himself, revealed himself to first. So it's, I agree with you. I think, um, yeah, we tend to not realize there's a lot more, um, Jesus used a lot more women in the Bible than we tend to acknowledge. I think it's like, I hear those things, but I think it's that whole, um, it's one of the pieces that we had put on the side here to talk about Mike, but this idea that all believers have been given a priesthood by Jesus Christ. And I think it's the same challenge because often what we're doing is like, uh, well, well, you can only do it in circum- certain circumstances, you know, in, in the right circumstances, then you're allowed to, to preach or teach. But it's, it's understanding that like a gifting is a gifting. And when we don't empower that gifting, we're actually quenching the spirit, which is sort of a sad thing to think that like as a church, we've operated in that way for, for years. And so I think there's this thing is how do we move from this place of quenching the spirit and stifling to empowering what God is already doing in his people, all of his people, not some of his people, not those that we sort of pick and choose along the way. No, God has, God has said, like all of you, have been empowered. All of you have been given every spiritual blessing, right? And so it's 
it's this idea that, that we are called to live differently. And I think that's this whole idea is that even as we have this conversation, sometimes I wonder if I fall back too much into my old thinking, because this is about God just empowering his church holistically. And it's not about like, like all these checking the boxes as you go along It's saying like everyone, Kelsey, myself, you, like we all have a gift that we're called to use. And so it's, it sometimes feels foolish that we say, well, we need to, we need to, to raise up these voices because it's like, no, they're already there. We just need to start listening. That even goes for all ages too, like kids and elders and whatnot. And it's so cool. Like even look at children, like if we're supposed to be a child of God, we see the same patterns in kids. If you stifle their voices, they won't speak. But if you just look at them and you're like, and you just listen to them, they'll go forever. And that's what we're supposed to do for one another. And I don't know where that changes when we become adults. Well, I guess it's the same when we're kids too. We always want to speak over each other or silence each other or whatnot. But we always lose that, you know, wanting to build each other up. We're too much into the competitiveness of, no, I need my voice heard. Rather than doing like Jesus said and just saying, I want to hear from you. What do you think? That might have to be a little bit of the conversation around the unleadership part, right? <laughs> right? Isn't that that next step? Like, it's not about being over; it's about submitting one to another. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think you're right. Too often we we try to step on top of and not hear. But I think I think for me, I think about the season ahead because the church is evolving right now whether it was before COVID or COVID and what's coming out of COVID. Uh, I think we're at this great sort of linchpin moment in the history of the church. And I, I, I would ask, like, how can we, this is me falling backwards again, I think, but how can we hear voices better? How can we respond to voices better? So like, Chelsea, this is the question for you, like on my behalf, how how do we hear better? What idiocy do I need to shut off in my mind so that I can empower you more and, and the women in my church family more? I think we need to seek them out, like not just women, but seek out voices that are different from our own. So whether it's women or whether it's a differing viewpoint, because especially like you said, we're kind of at a linchpin in the church where it would be very easy to overcorrect the opposite direction where we're seeking out all these different voices and stifling the ones that have been around for years or decades. And so I think it's just finding those um, aspects in yourself that maybe you don't know much about or that that maybe rub you the wrong way and seeking out those voices and really trying to either understand where they're coming from or even just seeking out their voice and asking them um, their beliefs and why and really listening. And rather than listening in a way where you're prepared to correct, 
like truly listening and having a discussion. Because I think so often as Christians, we ask questions and it we're looking for tidbits that we can correct or change or come in with scripture or whatever it is to be like, but what about this? Instead of just listening and asking more questions and actually creating an active dialogue with someone with a viewpoint or a voice that's different than your own. Did I answer the question? I think, I think that's a great answer. I think that's a great answer. I like how you corrected me too. It's, you're like, it's not just women, it's all voices that are different. So you are, you are, you are right. See, this is why your voice is so important. Like even hearing that for me was like, yep. Like I overcorrected in that moment. And I think that's the natural tendency. It's like we sort of swing the pendulum really quickly instead of sitting back, as you were saying, hearing the voices and then, and then pressing forward. Well, I think the I think the it's a real, specific, uh, established church issue is that we have not valued female voices in uh, a lot of prevailing churches, and so if you if you think of it like Jesus said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. It, meaning there are no least of these. He's saying it's me, <laughs> right? Like you're looking at someone as if they're under you. And and how could you ever look at someone made in the image of God as if they're under you? And so you've got to see every single human made in the image of God as uh, esteem them as greater than yourself, right? So you're you're valuing every person. Now there are people that you see is under you. It probably You probably don't even know it. There are people that you devalue and that you see is under you. And maybe it's because they're sloppy or poor or, you know, from a, from a different uh, political position or whatever it is. You, you see them as under you on some level. Now, the church has made this mistake with women. And that's why we're we're saying, hey, you know, we have not listened to these these beautiful people made in the image of God that have incredible things to say. Their their voice has been suppressed. So now we're going, we no longer want to suppress those voices. We we need not just the priesthood of one believer. That's been a problem in the church. The priesthood of one believer, one priest. Um, Sunday morning, that leader the pastor, you know, the reverend, that's the priest. And so we see the priesthood of one believer. Well, then the church is going, okay, we need the priesthood of all believers, but unfortunately, unknowingly, they only empower the priesthood of male believers, <laughs> not the priesthood of all believers. And so it's moving from the priesthood of one believer to the priesthood of all believers, not just male believers really important that the that the church values every single person. You talk about uh apest, you know, if if you go to that, um you've got to each and every one of us are given these gifts. Male, female, women, children, slaves, to each and every one of us are given these gifts so that the body would build itself up. 
how do you leave anyone on the bench? Jesus didn't want anyone on the bench. They really want everybody's voice active. So I, I just affirm what you're saying, Chelsea. I think it's significant that wherever voices are being pushed down or suppressed, and unfortunately, you've just experienced that yourself and have been the victim of you know, people not valuing you the same or not listening to you or dismissing you. And I'm sorry that you've experienced that. I think it's a tragedy. Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, it's been interesting, but God's definitely pushed through it. Um, but with, I love your point about APEST, because especially in these conversations and the conversations that I've had recently, where, you know, like you said, I've been dismissed or not valued no one ever talks about the giftings. Like people just say women can't preach or teach in these certain settings, but they never say, well, women can't have these giftings. And it's so funny. I never see a disclaimer in, um, in the APES, you know, in Ephesians 4 that says, oh, but not in these settings for women. It never says that. So maybe even if we, going back to the uh, scriptural versus cultural, like you were talking about, Mike, earlier in the conversation, if we even take a scriptural basis in terms of APES and really look at that and really dissect, okay, is there anything in here that's pertaining necessarily to men and not women? Not really. It says it's given to everyone. Yeah, in Chelsea, I I think the uh, the passage that's used that women should not exercise preach or exercise authority over a man is the one that's oftentimes used to to say you know women should be under men or something like that. But Jesus redefines leadership as being under, not over. You know, I am among you as one who serves. The greatest should be the least, and the least the greatest. And Leadership is redefined as servantship. You know, we're, we're serving. We're, we're not, I, I don't think anybody should be lording over anyone else. But Jesus said we shouldn't lord over like the Gentiles do, right? Should any of us be exercising authority over anyone else, or should we be under our, our fellow brothers and sisters, empowering them to live into their calling? and helping them and praying for them and, and giving them the tools and, and the voice and the opportunity. And so really, should any of us be an authority over, or does Jesus really define, you know, authority or leadership, redefine it as serving under, not lording over? And if we look at it that way, I don't think anyone has a problem with women serving. So maybe as a church body, we have become way too leader-focused and leader-centric. What do I need to do to be a leader instead of just serving and letting that be enough? Boom. And uh, I just like listening to you two talk. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm willing to sit in the background on this one. Um, yeah, I... I I think ultimately, I'm, I'm listening to you go back and forth as we talk about APES and the priesthood of all believers and what it is to empower women. And I, I, I really just think it's ultimately about like the law and control. 
I think, right, we can, we can use that passage, Mike, that you shared, and it gives us a semblance of control, right? And so it allows us then to sort of pigeonhole the way that we approach it. Well, we know that we have control in this aspect. And so with, when we create this tiered avenue of following Jesus men and then women and then children, instead of saying, hey, all of us are in this together, we all have received the grace of God and we've all been empowered by the spirit of God, it's, it's, it's a whole new ballgame. It takes the control out of one person and gives it to the whole team. And it's saying, hey, press forward together. Don't do it on your own. And I, I just get, uh, I, I think the church has fallen into that a lot of, it's, it's a one-person show. It's, it's 75 people facing forward, one person above everyone else. And what we're saying is that that's not it at all, right? Yeah, yeah, Tim, it, it literally scares the hell out of me whenever I see somebody pushing their weight around talking about authority. I'm like, whoa, baby, this does not sound like Jesus at all. But but when I see some somebody saying, how, how can I help you? Let me pray for you. Here are some things that I've learned. Um, and, and you just get this sense of, of humility and uh, service and support and empowerment, then you go, okay, you really get a, a sense of the flavor of the ministry of Jesus in that. Um, so whenever we're sort of have this posture of climbing up the ladder, you got to be careful because you're going to pass Jesus who's going down the ladder, right? Who humbled himself and laid aside his divine attributes and became as one of us and you know, lowered himself all the way to the cross, right? So that he might save us and redeem us and serve us. And even the image of the one who comes around the table and serves us in the kingdom, right? And you just have this this very different picture, not of climbing up the ladder, but climbing down the ladder. We should be on our way down, not on our way up. And so whenever I hear people shifting this weight of authority, I'm like, you know, I'm really scared of you right now. I don't like I think I want to distance myself from that sort of language. And and like look at the church. Look at the fallen men in the church. Everyone that we have built up in the last 20 years, there's an issue. And so yeah, this idea of puffing up is it's it's scary. And I, I, I hear what you're saying, Mike, and in my mind, I can think of specific people who would have the yeah, but statement. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And it's, it's, it's hard because we cannot force people to take on this perspective, right? We cannot force them. But all we can say is, hey, let's look at scripture together. Let's, let's live it out together. And let's understand that we are all empowered to live differently. I think we have to show them the people who don't have that perspective by doing it. And Tim, I love your question that you posted over here in the, the uh, text box. I think one way that we can challenge ourselves and challenge everyone who may be listening is to challenge yourself to take that servant role and really empower those voices that maybe you haven't even really, maybe they've never been stifled in your church or around your group but they've been stifled somewhere where they sit on the sidelines and they're like the outliers and they think they don't have a voice. 
find those people and just give them a voice, encourage them. We don't encourage each other enough. Just a little bit of encouragement and a little bit of acknowledgement can make people just open up and blossom. And when they're going through that blossoming phase, let them mess up and let them be messy and let them say things that rub people the wrong way. Because I think a lot of times that what we do as a church is we start to encourage people. And when they get kind of a little wiggly, we want to shut them down right away. And then that silences them again. But when we empower people and we truly show them that they have a voice, man, the possibilities are endless. We're not just yeah, the child yeah. for that person. No, I love that, Chelsea. I, I think uh, the phrase excellence is the enemy of authenticity. And when we have this concept of everything has to be done perfect, said perfect, all that, well, I mean, look at Jesus and the people that he gathered up and then sent out in pairs very early on that didn't fully understand what he was about and the type of things they were doing and saying <laughs> as they went out in pairs was super messy. But it was the process of the going and the engaging people and the questions they would ask and the things that they would encounter that prove to grow them and shape them and mature them. And in the same way, if we're all going to grow, it's going to be a process of learning and repenting and discovering and messiness. That's all a part of growth. It's not like you somehow figure it all out, get super clean, polish, and, and put on this incredible performance. And then now you're free to go because we know you're not going to screw up. That's not how it works. And then a lot of times too, those people will then in turn empower other people. Today, it was so cool. And I'm going to share this story because one, I'm super excited about it. But like at the CrossFit gym this morning, like I think it just like totally visual, gives a good visual for exactly what we're talking about. Um, and you can blame Jeff for me talking about CrossFit all the time now because he's the one that encouraged me to join. Um, but there's this one lady and she's like brand new. And we were doing a workout that she had never done any of the things before. So she was like, and it was a partner workout. And of course, when you first start in your mind, you don't want to slow anyone down or you don't want to look stupid. So she was like, I will just work out on my own. And I was like, no, I'll be your partner. And it was so weird because normally I hesitate doing that. Like, I'm not always the person that's like you. But with her, I was. And she was like, yeah, I just started. She was like, I want to. Um, she said, I joined because I want to be able to do a sit-up and a pull-up the right way. She was like, once I'm there, she's like, I'm thinking I can get there in a year. And I was like, you're going to get there so much quicker than you think. And today it was just like box jumps, assault bike, and it was sit-ups with a um, weighted ball. Dude, from the very beginning, she was doing sit-ups. Like I went first, I showed her how to do everything and she already knew the modifications. And I was like, all right, your turn. And she did them. She did sit-ups the entire time. I was like, what was that? You know how to do sit-ups. And of course she didn't do them perfectly. She didn't do them with a the big weight and she even put the weight down, but she was still doing the sit-ups. And that is like huge. And we don't do enough of that in the kingdom. 
we immediately like, you know, give this sermon or we spout these scriptures and then we're like, okay, you do the same thing. And we don't allow people to take their own process and just watch. And then for them to take what they're seeing from you or God or God through you and allowing them to exercise it on their own, no matter what it looks like. And then if it's not to like our standards, a lot of times we won't encourage them or praise them for it when there needs to be that constant praise and encouragement the entire way, even in the mess ups. Even mess ups. in, yeah, I like, you can't see us, but I like the air quotes around. Mess <laughs> That's the key, right? And so I think as we sort of bring this all together now, I think I love that, right? It's okay to be messy. Like as we empower all voices, it's not going to be perfect. But that leads us to understand perfection isn't expected, right? It's just about hearing those voices that are on sort of the periphery who have or have not been stifled, understanding that all of us are participants. All of us are valuable, not some we all are, that we are all empowered. This isn't a segment for just one or 2% of the population. This is about all believers have been empowered. And that's this thing for us to grab a hold of because the end result is multiplication in ways we can't understand. And that's the great aspect of all this. Like this isn't about us. Empowering everyone has nothing to do with us as individuals. It has everything to do with the kingdom. And so as we walk away from this today, I hope that we understand that perfection is not expected, that we are each and every one of us in God's kingdom valuable, that we are each and every one of us empowered, and that, you know what, we're going to mess up along the way, but at least we're participating. So I hope today has been a great conversation for you. Thank you, Chelsea, so much for joining us. Thank you, Mike, as always. If you have any questions, please feel free to email every single one of them to Mike. He answers them all. I'm Tim, here up in the great Northeast New Hampshire. For the Creo Collective Podcast, we will see you on the outside.